But one of the things we do with this is we give to nonprofits in our areas. And we got several that will be uh, letting you guys get to see in the next few weeks. And, uh, but one of them today um, that we want to support is a new church plant in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the name of the church is Riza. Riza. It is a Greek word, uh, not Latin, but Greek. And um, it, it, it comes from the word, we get the word root. That's the word root comes from that word. And uh, he'll explain that in just a minute. And uh, Pastor Tito and his wife Molly got his family, got some of his friends that are helping with the church plant. And, um, and they were supposed to launch this church on the day that everything shut down. So talk about timing. But it's God's timing. God has a plan. You know, and uh, so uh, Tito has been doing home church. They've been doing online church. And, and God has been building that up and reaching people. And um, at some point here, very soon in the near future, they're going to try to figure out a way to get back open. They've been setting up and tearing down the school. The school won't let them do what they need to do yet. And so be praying for him on that. And, uh, but we're going to be uh, uh, part of this offering that we're going to be contributing to this mission, to this church plant, doing a great work in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And today, Tito is going to kind of wrap up our sermon series that we've been doing called Faith Over Fear. And you're going to be blessed by the message of Pastor Tito. Some of our teenagers, they know who he is. They've heard him speak at youth camp a couple of years ago. And he is a joy to listen to. And I know that you'll be challenged by the way, by what he shares with us today. So let's give Tito and Molly and family and friends a warm late point welcome. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, everyone. And those of you watching online, um, you know, unlike most church uh, planters, people who start churches um, that have been like dreaming of it and rearing to go, Molly and I never wanted to plant a church. So I don't even know how it happened, to be honest with you, but, but we're just being obedient to that. And we, um, you know, did all the church planting things. And then we had this big launch and friends and family came out. And then we had our first like real official week. And then the very following week, uh, everything shut down on us. So, you know, if you ever want to learn how to plant in a pandemic, don't call us. We have no idea what we're doing. Um, but but uh, just to introduce you to a few people in my crew, my family, uh, I've actually been married to my best friend and high school sweetheart for, it'll be 23 years in November. Yep, that's right. It's a picture of my sweet girl. She's right there. Um, and uh, we have four kiddos, three biological, one we took in who is living in his, in his car in high school and essentially adopted him. And uh, his name is Jimmy. This is his wife, uh, Brittany, and they stole our grandkids and went to Florida. And so if you see them, let them know that we are not happy uh, with them. <laughs> And uh, actually, we did have two grandkiddos, which is a, a Sailor and Phoenix, uh, but we actually have three now, as of this week, as of last week. Uh, so that's Koa right there. And uh, so we are really excited. Yeah, we're really excited for our fam. And then I have my three biological daughters, strong, fierce women of God. They will cut you. So sorry about that. Um, they're very, very strong. They're so actually strong. Um, I can actually remember. I mean, they, they just, they don't let anything go. You know, like I can't, I got to be strong myself around these women because they don't play around. And I actually, I can remember a couple years ago, 
uh, my youngest, um, and, and so my oldest uh, biological Bella is at Michigan State University. My uh, next, there we go. So, and then our, our next oldest is, uh, I plans at a church in Ann Arbor. It's, it's, anyway, um, uh, and then my next oldest is at Eastern Michigan, and then uh, my youngest is uh, a senior in high school. And we were looking for uh, a school for her because we were going to take her to this charter school, and we, have a, we narrowed it down to these two schools. And so we have all these interviews, and, and we were supposed to meet each other at this interview to see if the school would be a good fit or not. And I was running late. We had this video shoot, all this stuff. Now, the thing about me is I hate, hate being late. I'm not a late person. I'm a pretty punctual person. But when I am late, I am not happy about that. And on this particular day, when I got into the car already late, um, the internet sent a, a, a statewide APB and said, everyone slow Tito down, right? So, so I was like really, really not doing well. Um, and then right next to this, this charter school, I'm looking at the address and Google Maps, and, and it sends me to this place, this huge construction. Finally, I get through the, through the construction. I pull up to a church. I'm like, this isn't it. This, is, this isn't where we go. And I had seen the, uh, something that looked like the charter school a couple buildings down. I go, oh my goodness, I passed it up. I don't want to jump in my car and try to figure out this whole situation. So I left my car there and I started walking. A couple businesses, no big deal. There was a little tree line. I'm kind of going through the trees and trying to avoid all the traffic in the road. Finally, I see there's my, my minivan, black minivan uh, in, the, in the driveway. There's a big kind of kind of school white van, charter style, charter school style on there. There's a long porch with these rocking chairs. And I went up to the door and I was trying to like open the door, but it was locked. Obviously it's a school, right? So it's like locked down and I couldn't get in. And then I was so frustrated. Let me first admit I was not my best self at this point. I am not, let me just confess that because you'll see in a moment that I was not my best self and I need to tell you that. And so I, I you know, I just kind of walk over and I get a text from my youngest and she said, listen, if you're here, don't worry about it. I don't really think this is gonna be the school for us anyway. And you're so late, it would just be kind of weird and awkward for you to come and I go, fine. I sat down in this rocking chair, like all the way down in this huge long school porch or whatever. And I sat down, I'm rocking the rocking chair. I'm just t uh, answering some emails. And then I hear this little speaker all the way down, like way down in the door. And I was like, hello, can I help you? And at that point, honestly, I was over life. So I didn't even respond to it. I just thought, I don't, I'm not even going to address it. Who cares? I'm all the way over here. They're coming out in a second. It was like, hello, hello. I ignored it. I just kept going. It stopped. And then I get a phone call from my youngest. And she says, hey, dad, where are you at? I said, I'm in the parking lot. Where are you at? She goes, no, nope, we're in the parking lot. I said, okay, I'm at the school. She goes, no, we're at the school. We're at the church. This, the school's in the church. And I said, wait a minute. If that's it, then I'm looking at my car, and I realize it is a black minivan, just not my black minivan. And this is a long building, but it is not a school. It is a home. <laughs> and I had walked up to this home and was jiggling and trying to open up the front door. I sat on a rocking chair and ignored the owner who was like, hello, can I help you? And I'm like, whatever, you know? And so, so at this point, it's almost like when you watch one of those movies and you go and rewind, you know, he's like, I see dead people. And you're like, going like, oh my gosh, he's dead, you know, whatever. And so, so at that moment, it, it all came back to me. I understood I was not in a safe situation. 
So I decided to stand up and I just left as fast as I could. And I, you know, I'm walking through and I'm walking through these woods and stuff. I come out to the parking lot. My girls are there. They're laughing at me. I'm just trying to tell them the story. And then I sit in the car and my wife goes, hey, listen, you, re- you got to go back and you got to explain what happened. And I was like, nope. That's not happening. I am not going back. She goes, no, seriously, Tito, you, you have to, you literally, you got to go back and just explain to him. Like, what happened? I go, do you understand? I think I might get shot if I walk back up onto that porch again. I'm not going, let's go, forget it. Really stubborn, dug my heels in. So she said, fine. And so we, we were going on vacation up north the very next day. Got in the car, packed out, beautiful. Very next night, we're up north. We're enjoying this beautiful day. Just before I went to bed, somewhere about midnight, I get a text from a friend and says, bro, this looks just like you. And I was like, who is that? And so I open up the text, and here's the picture that he texted me. If you can't see it, it says, a Facebook post. Anybody know this guy? Cameras caught him. I look like every criminal you have ever seen. (laughs) Cameras caught him walking around our porch and enjoying our rocker, not cool, okay? So so a friend responds. Does anyone recognize this guy hanging out at Robert and Ruth's house in Plymouth while they were out of town? Please share. So I sit up in my bed, I'm like, ah! And I kind of sit up, and my wife goes, what? What's going on? I go, babe, look, look. And I show her the picture. She goes, I told you. <laughs> I go, this is not the time to say I told you, okay? So police are looking for me currently. And I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just repost. I'm going to say, hey, listen, uh, hey, you know, and just like reach out to them and just explain to them what happened. And she said, you're going to look even crazier. It's past midnight. Like, just wait till the morning. It's not a big deal. And I'm just freaking out. And I go, fine. I put my phone down. I lay down. I wake up the next morning. Vroom, and the first thing I do is I grab my phone. I'm like, and I start creating a biography of my life to this person. <laughs> Hello, my name is Pastor Tito, and uh, I uh, spend my time serving orphans and widows. And I just start explaining this whole situation. And by that time, I'm looking at the post. The post has now been shared hundreds of times. Bottom line is, I told him, hey, listen, I'd be happy to meet you at the police station and, like, you know, just explain the situation and stuff. And they, they forgave me and they took the post down. But man, oh, man, my fear made everything worse. My fear paralyzed me in this situation. And I believe that one of the biggest weapons that the enemy uses in our life is fear. Is fear. And, and when I, even when I was thinking about, you know, planting Riza, I realized that the biggest thing that was, that was stopping me from planting and starting this church was fear. And so I want to help you 
like learn what God has been teaching me and is currently teaching me. I'm certainly not an expert uh, in what it looks like to overcome fear. However, I, will, I do want to at least share with you and take a look at the story of a man named Peter in the scriptures. Um, it's for, Peter is known as a man of great faith. And, and, and as we think about overcoming fear and replacing fear with faith, I think that's a good person to look at. But before we open up the scriptures, will you please pray with me? Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us recognize the areas that we are struggling with and gripping onto fear rather than gripping onto you. Father, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would help us understand the truth of your word and the truth of your power uh, in our lives and that we would trust that and not trust our situations, our emotions, what we read and what we see. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, if you have a copy of the scriptures, a digital or otherwise, please, you can turn there. If not, we'll have the words up on the screen. But um, here we uh, come and see a man uh, named Paul, and Paul was uh, uh, planting churches. Excuse me, we'll be talking about Paul today, not Peter. Uh, so, so we'll be looking at Paul, and Paul is around here just planting churches, and as we think about this idea of Peter and Paul, um, as we look at Acts, we see that Paul begins to plant this church, okay, and, and this idea of planting churches in the region, and here's what he actually says. He says, now from um, Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching to you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that I'm imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And here's what we learn from Paul. We learn from Paul that Paul replaces fear with faith. It's a very difficult thing to do. I can easily say that you should replace your fear with faith, but man, I am still learning how to do that. But as I look at Paul's life and even just this scripture of what he's writing this letter, he's letting him know like what he's going through and how he feels about it. And man, I am challenged by this man who, who is planting these churches and I relate to him so much in certain ways, but man, there are certain, certain ways that I do not. And so let's take a look uh, because I think that the question that everyone might even have is, okay, fine, Tito, I want to replace my fear with faith, but how do I do that? How do I do that? And so let's, let's just take a look at that, the first couple of verses again. And he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, through tears, through humility, through the plots of the Jews. And, 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 and so... Here we see that Peter was humility embracing, humility 
embracing. He says, I did this with all humility. And we see this. I mean, even before Paul's transformation into a Christ follower, he's kind of a devout Jew trained by Gamaliel who invests in his life. And he becomes this big time Pharisee. And then eventually, after God gets a hold of his heart, um, uh, uh, others like Ananias invest in him and disciple him. And and the disciples invest in him and disciple him. And we even uh, see that he was listening to people in his life as they began to coach them. And so one way to embrace humility is to allow yourself to be coached and discipled by someone else. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, the idea is that we need to embrace humility and allow others to speak into our lives. And so this, I, had, I struggled with this stirring in my life. And this stirring, um, I didn't really understand what it was. I kind of thought it was a midlife crisis a couple years. I just didn't know what I was going through. And as I began to figure out this stirring, I began to seek counsel. And so I would say that in order to embrace humility, you need to allow others to speak. You need to allow others to speak. And, and, and Travis, my lead pastor and very good friend, began to speak into my life. And he began having many conversations, tough conversations, conversations that would push me past my comfort zone. But they weren't always easy conversations. But man, did, did, did they challenge me to a place that I would have to figure out what it looks like to replace my fear or to address this thing that's going on in my life. But I had to first give Travis permission to speak into my life. And so I would ask you all this question. If you truly desire to, to be humility embracing, to, to, to f- overcome uh, uh, fear with faith and, and doing this, I think you need to get discipled and get invested into important. I have several coaches in my life now. I've always had coaches in my life investing in me. So here's the question. Who are you giving permission to to speak into your life? Because someone's probably not just going to automatically walk up and just give you unsolicited counsel. If they did, you probably wouldn't listen to it. And so who are you intentionally giving permission to in your life to speak into your life? We have to allow others to speak, but you also need to allow God to speak. You need to allow God to speak. And some of you are maybe like me, where I was wrestling with God and I didn't know what to do. And God says, just ask and seek and knock. And those are beautiful things, unless you're like me and you think you already know what he's going to say. And so you don't bother to do those things. Because, oh, I already know. I know what the creator of the universe is thinking. Just ask me. I'll tell you. And so, and so maybe if, you, if you're like me, maybe, maybe you need to take a turn like I eventually did and began saying, okay, God, I'm so lost. I'm so fearful. I just need to start asking you, God, God, what do you want me to do? But I need to first allow others to speak into my life. I needed God to speak into my life. And I need to be humility embracing. Let's continue reading. And Paul says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Here's the idea. He was constrained. He was bound by the Spirit. And when I think about that, I think that we need to be spirit pacing. We need to be spirit pacing. If we want to overcome fear with faith, then we need to pace the spirit. And here's what I mean by that. Um, 
our, our, our family were, were together. We were hanging out. We had a visit from my oldest and the grandkids, and we went to Eastern Market. And uh, as we were walking around, um, my grandson grabbed my hand, and he kind of had my hand for the day. We were taking pictures. We were doing all kinds of stuff. I kept feeding him candy. It was beautiful, right? And so um, we're walking around, and as I'm, walk- as I'm holding his hand, um, and my wife took a picture of, of what that looked like. And I didn't know. We were just kind of walking down the street. So here's a picture of he and I just walking. And when I think of the idea of spirit pacing, here's what I think. Except I should not be on the Tito spot. I should be on the Phoenix spot. And our God should be in that other spot. You see, because here's the thing that we did all day. We walked around. We went to places he didn't know. We did things he'd never seen before. And not one time did he ask me, hey, where are we going, pops? Not one time. He just grabbed my hand and I led him. And man, I'm not like that. I wish I was like that. I wish, I wish I was pacing the spirit. It's the idea of walking into the unknown with childlike faith. And here's the thing. I'm the kid that you have to drag. You know those kids that like they got a leash on them? Like, I'm leash kid, right? Because I'm wandering around, like, if I, I shine it, you know, I'm kind of going off. And, like, wherever it is, I'm not the kid who's just like, yeah, no problem. Let's just go wherever you're leading me. And, and because I want to know where we're going. I got a lot of questions. God, do you have a lot of answers? And here's the thing. God knows if we should know or, or not. God knows that about us. And Paul, I mean, for Paul, Paul knew some, and the, the Holy Spirit let him know that everywhere he went, there was going to be imprisonment and affliction. And if I knew that, like if that's what I absolutely knew, that God was offering me with planting Riza, I wouldn't be at Riza. I'd be at Pizza Hut. I'd be working there, right? Because I would not be planting a church. I would be doing something else about, about oh, plant a church? Okay, it'd be fun. Yeah, imprisonment and affliction. Gotcha. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Sometimes God moves quickly. And sometimes he moves slowly. And, and here's, here's what my wife and I kind of came to the conclusion as we began pacing the spirit in this, in this situation. That if God is not with us, then we don't want to go. If God is not with us, we do not want to go. And this, this stirring began stirring so much. And then eventually I heard this question and this question rocked my world. And you've probably heard this question before, but it rocked my world because I know I had heard that question before, but in this moment, man, was I wrecked. And the question was, what is your God-sized dream? What is your God-sized dream? And here's what I had to realize. I didn't have a God-sized dream. I didn't have any dream. And, and as, I, as I was wrecked by that question, I went home, and just all that week, I'm like, God, why don't I have a God-sized dream? Have you given me one? Did I miss it? Did I think it was Taco Bell last night, you know, or was it a dream? Like, where's my God-sized dream? And here's, here's what ultimately I feel like the Holy Spirit revealed to me, is that I have not spent my life dreaming. I have spent my life surviving. And when you're surviving, you know, I didn't know my biological father. My mother married three times by the time I was 10. Saw a lot of physical, sexual abuse in my life, addiction. I, after I got married at 20 years old to, to Molly, and two years into it, we were basically going to get a divorce. I mean, like, we, was, there's been sickness, addiction in my life. There's all been all of these things. And it seems like as soon as we're out of something, we're into something else. And I've just felt in my life, I've just been surviving. And when you're surviving, you're not dreaming. 
You're not in the midst of that thinking like, and by the way, God, while this is going on, what is my dream? You know, I'm not, not thinking that. And so, and so because of that, but, 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 at, but here's what I would challenge. The more you pursue a relationship with God, if your pursuit is here, if your dreams were over here, man, I want a car, I want a, a lot of money, I want a mansion, whatever, that, whatever your dreams are, the more you pursue God, the more your dreams begin to align with his will. And so we need to just pursue the Lord, and God will begin to give you the dream that he desires you to have. And so what, what does it look like? It's spirit pacing. It's sticking your hand out and saying, okay, God, lead me. Let's keep reading. It says, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions Await me. Same scripture, but I'm going to focus on a different side, which is we need to be fear-facing. We need to be fear-facing. And I realize um, as I think about that, that I, I'm not, I've, in my life I've not been a fear-facing person. I've been a fear, like run away from it kind of person. And, um, and here's what the scriptures teach us, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and, 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 and of love. And of sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yes, we have a healthy, respectful fear of the Lord, the creator of the universe. But not a spirit, a spirit of fear of man or the world or circumstances. Or, mo or for many of you, maybe you're like me, the fear of the unknown that begins to paralyze us. And when I think of brave, when I think of brave, there's very few people that come to the top of the list more than my daughter, Sophia. My daughter, Sophia, is one of the bravest people I know, and I don't know where it came from because it wasn't me. Probably my wife, because my wife is very brave too. But even as, as a little kid, uh, you know, when she would see, a, you know, one of my other children fall into the water before I could get there, she was jumping in, even though she didn't swim that well and getting them out. Whenever she sees someone in danger, she's the first one to run in the middle of them in that danger. I, I remember we went backpacking. It's the first time she's ever been backpacking. I've been backpacking a bunch, took her up north backpacking, and we were like sleeping in this like two-person tent, and these noises started happening outside. And I was freaking out. And she was like, chill out, Dad. When I think of brave, I think of my daughter, Sophia. And when I think about myself, here's the thing. I, I, there was another question that was asked of me during that time, during that time that Travis was asking me all these tough questions. And one of the questions that he asked me, this other person asked me another question, but he asked me this question and it wrecked me again. I was wrecked again. He said, if money, Tito, if money was no object, would you plant a church? I said, so if money was no object, would I plant a church? Heck yeah, I'd plant a church if money was no object. But then I realized at that moment what was stopping me from planting a church is not believing that God could provide the money to do that. And I was, I was like just emotionally like, wait a minute. I've never heard myself say that I would plant a church before. It's not been my dream to plant a church. And now that I'm thinking about doing it, the thing that I believe is stopping me is this fear that God will provide. And one of my mentors told me that God pays for what he orders. If he ordered that church, he's going to pay for that church. And so I thought, okay, maybe I'm being emotional. I'm going to call my wife. And I know my wife. If I say, babe. If money was no object, would you plant a church? She'd be like, heck, no, I wouldn't plant no church. And so I'm going to call her and just make sure we're on the same page. I said, Molly, 
I got a question for you. If money was no object, would you plant a church? She was like, if money was no object? Heck yeah, I'd plant a church. I was like, ah, right? You know, I was like, I did. there's no way. Molly, I'm leading us poorly. I'm leading us out of here. We can't do that. If, if God's calling us to do that, then we need to step in faith and be brave and face what's coming. We need to be fear-facing. And so we both answered yes. And, and, and so we decided together that we would punch fear in the face. And we began a, a, a season of what we called being fearless. Everything that we did, we're like, oh, no, God's got that. God's got it. Nope. Yeah, that's right. We need a trailer and we need to raise this much money. God's got that. It's fine. We're going to be fearless. And we just, and, and after a while, that was, that was okay. But then after a while, as we started going down this road, I started to have that, oh, that thing again inside of me. I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little fearful again. And so I started thinking to myself and then out loud eventually, because, you know, we start thinking things here and they start getting here and then they start coming out of here. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? But it's things that I've been going through, you know? And so I started saying, man, are we being fearless? Fearless? Are we being foolish? Are we being fearless? Like, God, you got it. Or are we being foolish? And maybe we should be more wise and just make sure we have everything before we ever move. And we'll just like decide when God gives it to us, fine, we'll go. And so we started sharing this with our kids at, the, at a dinner table. And my youngest daughter looked at me and she said this. She said, Dad, you're thinking, you have to understand that there is a difference. She said, Dad, you need to understand. Thank you. She said, Dad, you need to understand that there is a difference between childlike and childish. And I said, what? And she said, a, a child, someone who's childish, a child is impatient and they run ahead. Like you have to go chase them down and yank them before they run into the road. Or, or when they don't get what they want, like touching a fire, they throw a tantrum, right? So, so like a child, uh, someone who's childish is impatient. They run ahead. They throw a tantrum. They're not asking counsel. They're just doing what their emotions say. But someone who's childlike is Phoenix, gripping the hand, asking for help running to mom and dad when they're fearful. Man, maybe I need to start running to dad when I was fearful. And instead of throwing tantrums, starting a, a, a good, lovely, childlike faith is being grateful. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. But the problem is, I'm like, God, I want to know. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what's happening. And here's what I, I genuinely feel like the Lord was speaking to me in that season. He said, it's not our job to choose the destination. It's our job to trust him in the journey. It's not our job to choose the destination. It's our job to trust him in the journey. It's to simply reach your hand on and say, okay, God, you've got this. And, and I'm just going to follow you. And you know what? What is fearless in the spirit in the world looks foolish. And I know that that might be speaking to someone in this room because I feel it. Because for some of you, you are not moving because you think that the world is going to think that you're foolish. But God, what if I fail? Good thing that the Bible doesn't say, my good and successful son says, my good and faithful son. I had to realize that God was not calling me to be successful. He was calling me to be faithful and obedient. We need to redeem the word successful for faithful. Let's keep reading. But I do not account 
my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To finish strong, I would say we need to be God-chasing. God-chasing, to persevere, to not give up. I'm in the midst of that. I'm in the midst of chasing God and trying not to give up and to persevere through pandemics and to persevere through the idea that I began to form about what the church would look like and now it looks like something completely different. And I, and I know people in, in my life personally, and you probably know in your life, people who, who you have actually seen give up and walk away from their faith and walk away from the things that you feel like, God, man, I know that God's calling me to do this and they know, but man, they're so fearful they're walking away. And you might ask, okay, Tito, what does it look like to chase God? Well, that's all we have to do is keep reading what he says. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I said in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. Sometimes to chase God, you need to have tears and with trials because God uses that to mature us. That happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching. We need to understand that the teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying of the good news, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, it is not our job to choose the de destination. It is our job to trust him in the journey. Replacing fear with faith looks like humility embracing, seeking coaching, seeking counsel, giving someone permission to speak into your life to help you with overcome those lies and those fears. With spirit pacing, asking God, like, well, God, what are you doing? But I just want to hold on. I want to wait for you, God. I want to slow down. I want to speed up. Whatever you want, fear facing. What are those things that in your life that you know that you are fearful of, that you're struggling with? that you need to overcome by simply facing those fears and not being paralyzed from them or running away from them and God chasing, seeking the Lord, getting in your word, asking God, praying, having conversations. And so let me pray for you. And I want to pray for a couple groups of people in here because I think there's a couple groups of people. The first group of whether you're watching or you're in this room, I, I pray, I want to pray for the people in this room that would say, man, I want to do those things. I want to be God-fearing and, and, and God-chasing and, and, and spirit-pacing, uh, but I have never had a relationship with God. I've never felt, all I've felt is fear. I've never felt the joy and the freedom that comes with trusting the creator of the universe. And so if that's you, if you've never had a relationship with God, here's what you need to understand is that we are all broken. The scriptures talk about that we are all broken. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And that sin has broken our relationship with the beautiful heavenly father that loves you. And, 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 the, and the scriptures talk about the idea that this, this sin, the wages of this sin is death. But the scriptures essentially are not saying not necessarily a spiritual death. They're talking about a spiritual Death, a broken relationship with God, a separation from God. And, and, but God loved us so much that here's what he did. He made a way for all of us to be with him, to be reconciled with him, to be in a relationship with him. And, and th but somebody needed to pay for that penalty. And so his son willingly, happily, joyfully, patiently, gracefully, 
came down to this earth, lived a perfect life, caring, loving, healing, accepting, leading, guiding, challenging, and then sacrificing his life for ours on the cross and dying, but on the third day, defeating death and overcoming that death for our life and for us to be in beautiful relationship with God again. All we simply need to do, the scriptures say, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I know it's simple and I know it's not easy because it means surrendering your life and saying, I'm not in control, Jesus, you are. But if you want to do that today, why are you waiting? Don't wait. If you want to do that today, if you are watching online or in this room and you want to make that decision, here's what I would say. Just simply pray this simple little prayer and begin your life of pursuing Uh, a, a heavenly father who loves you. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I need you. I want to turn away from my old life. I want to give it to you. I want to follow you all my days. I love you. And then there's another group of people in here that I believe that you identify as a Christ follower. Yes, I believe in Jesus. I I follow you, Jesus. I follow you, God. But you are struggling with your faith. And I don't know what your situation is. But whatever it is, mine was fear. Whatever it is, you can replace that, that, that thing with faith by simply not trusting that thing or that situation or that relationship, but trusting a father who loves you, that even though you're not in control, trust the one who is in control of everything. So if that's you, then I would remind you and pray for you. Father, I pray for those in this room that are struggling with their faith, that they would become humility-embracing, spirit-pacing, fear-facing, and God-chasing people. And that they would be reminded We don't need to trust the things around us. When we could trust the one who's created and is in complete control of the things around us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.